0: This is Bloomsbury Radio, celebrating the 2022 Bloomsbury Festival. I am joined by Jenny Horwell, who is participating in this year's festival. I mean, I don't think there's anything else that I can say on my end. I think I, we just want to get straight in. Jenny, if you can tell us a bit about yourself and how you're involved with this year's Bloomsbury Festival.
1: Sure. Hello. Uh, yes, I am the director and the programmer of Bertha House, which is a documentary cinema. So we're a single screen uh, cinema that only shows documentary, no fiction, and we are based in the Curzon Bloomsbury Cinema in the Brunswick Centre, It's a really beautiful cinema, but we're kind of our own separate entity, and uh, we have chosen a film to screen as part of Bloomsbury Festival this year.
0: Great. And this year's festivals, the sort of theme for this year's festival is Breathe. And I believe that ties in quite well with the film that you have booked for Dock House. Can I ask Mm. about the reasons why you chose that film in particular? And maybe if you could introduce a bit about the film itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a film that I had heard of because it played at a couple of big international festivals. So it played at Cannes Film Festival and then at the London Film Festival. Um, It's called Invisible Demons. And as soon as I heard the theme of this year's Bloomsbury Festival was Breathe, um, my mind immediately went to this um, quite incredible documentary by a filmmaker called Rahul Jain and it's filmed in Delhi, which is his home city, and it focuses on um the the effects of I would say the kind of extreme industrialization in the city on the lives of its citizens and on the environment um so the invisible demons in the title really refers to air pollution air pollution particles uh, so the film's got this particular focus on um on pollution and uh, absolutely extraordinary images of this across the city of Delhi. So you see things like, let me think, oh, there's just enormous waste piles. You see kind of um, water pollution in the rivers. You really visibly see smog. Um, It's a hugely impactful film. It's just, it shows a lot that I'd never seen before. Um, Very, very beautiful, very thought-provoking. I mean, it seems strange to use the word beautiful about a film that's yeah. about his kind of uh you know pollution and environmental effects in Delhi but I think the thing is it's it's a big screen film you know it's incredibly cinematic uh Rahul Jain has an extraordinary eye for capturing what's going on in the city and as well as these um really unforgettable images that he's created he also interviews um every just everyday citizens um people who live in delhi people who are kind of on the streets experiencing it um it's quite easy i think to sort of often try and people try and look away from climate change and we look to cinema often for kind of escapism but i just found this a particularly extraordinary film to actually come into it's quite immersive um Uh, To really see, I suppose the thing is, it it feels like a bit like you're looking into the future, but it's not, it's happening now. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing kind of the effects of climate change right now in Delhi. And, you know, it's really, really affecting, very cinematic, and just seemed like a kind of perfect film to be part of this year's festival with this theme of breathe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I really like how like what you pointed out about how usually people turn to cinema, because it's usually that kind of dystopian feel of, you know, we're living Mm. in this society, you know, the right to breathe. is something so uh, difficult and hard to acquire. But like you said, like this is a documentary that's really focusing on the kind of here and now. Is that Mm. something that you would say that Doc House is kind of more generally interested in or something that you as a programmer, when you're looking at films that are kind of commenting on the now, is that something that you find recurs?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think, yes, but also we have a little bit of everything in the program. So uh, we only show documentaries, but that word documentary is really, really wide and expansive. So it covers kind of so many different styles, so many different genres, uh, so many different subjects. So the kind of um, the basis for our program is to have a a really wide, uh, I guess, scope, but for every film to be excellent within that kind of genre. So just really great quality documentary filmmaking. Um, And that can be hugely effective, really, whether you're talking about films that cover very current issues or historical issues or even some films that look to the future. Um, But it's kind of that excellent storytelling excellent cinematography and just working with the kind of language of documentary filmmaking that we're interested in
0: yeah well that's amazing and I mean as you'd mentioned that Doc House is uh, it's a landmark name because it just focuses on documentaries and as I understand it's the UK's kind of first documentary cinema as
1: well that's first oh and I would say only we're showing documentary films all day every day and um, there's such a wide variety we try to make it hugely accessible so we do that a little bit through our ticket prices so mm-hmm. like our off-peak ticket prices are only five pounds um wow. evening and weekends are nine pounds but there's cheaper rates for kind of students on the 25s um and as I and as I was saying, we we try to make it accessible as well through this huge range of films, subject matter, different styles of filmmaking. You wouldn't believe how many documentaries there are out there. <laughs> um, so it's really nice to have this kind of um, ring fenced space where we say, well, it doesn't matter what else is in other cinemas, or what else is on release. This is a space that's just for these mm-hmm. films. So we hope there'll always be something to appeal to everyone.
0: Yeah, I I mean that's a, a kind of related to the, a question that I also wanted to ask, which is particularly your role as a programmer you're in the central kind of decision making role here right you're kind of deciding amongst like you've mentioned like there's all of these documentaries that are coming out every year that are coming out internationally as well is there a particular kind of strategy or approach you take when selecting films for like a particular season or a particular exhibition or is it something that kind of changes depending on what the aim is perhaps?
1: Yeah, I think it does definitely change depending on what the focus is, but also that sometimes we're we're watching a huge amount of of films that maybe play at international film festivals or filmmakers get in touch with us or that are recommended to us. And it's really interesting the way that you see kind of themes running through things that you could pull different films together uh, to make a kind of season or, or maybe two films to play against each other that, that make interesting comparisons and contrast in interesting ways. Um, so I think it very much comes out of the films themselves and the subject matter and seeing what's out there. But also, I guess, trying to make sure that Our programme is always varied, that in any one particular month, um, the films that we're showing will be by a range of different filmmakers, you know, people who come from different backgrounds, um, different genders and ethnicities, and a range of different subject matters. So there'll always be uh, probably something political, probably something that's more uh, maybe about music or about the environment, um, maybe something historical. So it's just trying to keep uh, a sort of a balance and an interest in the programme, but then to find these themes and strands that can run through it.
0: And is there a particular kind of season or an exhibition that s- stood out in your mind whether that's because of the success of it or whether it's your personal interest in that kind of in those documentaries that were lined up do you have any kind of standout memories?
1: Mm. Well I have to say that uh, we've I've got a particular soft spot and I think we all have for uh, the, the smaller films, the ones that wouldn't necessarily play anywhere else other than in our screen. They're the ones that feel really, really special to us. Uh, you know, things like uh, a film that we just showed called children of the mist, which was filmed in Vietnam or from tomorrow, we're playing a film called midwives, um, which is made in Myanmar and coming up we've got some really interesting titles like a very very creative Mexican film called Sanson and Me coming up in November um, which is it uses reconstruction in a very interesting way to to follow the journey of a young um Mexican who's imprisoned in the United States but I'm picking out those films as ones that wouldn't necessarily get distribution otherwise wouldn't necessarily be seen in a big screen here so those films even though there may be a little bit uh you know, it takes a little bit more work to get them out there into the world. It feels really, really special to us when those are the ones that people do come in to see and those are the ones that that are really special. And if we can find an audience for those ones, that's the thing that really kind of stands out to us as a team, I think.
0: And have you ever been able to bring any of like the kind of smaller budget documentaries or ones that wouldn't get um, as much exposure? Have you ever been able to kind of bring in filmmakers or people who were part of the documentaries as well in making them?
1: Um, yeah, we well we have. Absolutely, tons of filmmaker events and QA. So, we have documentary makers coming in for QAs um, or, or you know, to talk about their films uh, really often. What we can't do is fly people over from all over the world ourselves, but we often find that filmmakers will get in touch with us and say, I'm passing through London, is this a great time for me to show my film with you? Um, and of course, these days we've got Zoom, which is a really, really useful way of connecting with filmmakers across the world. So, uh, that's been quite. incredible actually in the last couple of years to say if we're showing a a film to be able to after the film screen bring up the director on on the big screen on zoom in real time and we'll always have people in the cinema as well to be part of the conversation but it just it's it's been amazing to be able to connect audiences with filmmakers that way virtually
0: yeah that's so great as, as well that you you know you're not just even offering documentaries in an accessible format it's like for real kind of documentary enthusiasts anyone who's curious like the background and how it's being made and to be able to get in contact with the people who make them that's amazing um, i think
1: actually, yeah please go on oh no i was gonna say it's a huge part of, of the cinema we, we're, we're trying to kind of promote documentary filmmaking and the discussions around that are so interesting and so important to that so especially in this time where uh, people's probably viewing habits are changing a little bit and we we need to go that extra mile to show people come into the cinema, watch something on the big screen and if we can have those live discussions at the same time I think that's just a really special kind of extra thing to be able to offer Londoners
0: Yeah, absolutely, I don't think you can beat
1: that kind of
0: intimate setting of just being in the room together that's not
1: I mean, we're, <laughs> the
0: way we're speaking right now <laughs> we're speaking online but face to face you just can't beat it, can
1: you? totally totally and I think that's so true of watching films whether it's documentaries or fiction films the experience of sitting in a cinema in another in a room with other people is you you can't compare it to the experience of watching at home it just brings such a huge amount to your kind of uh viewing experience I'm a a huge huge cinema fan um I love to be sitting in a room full of people all watching the same thing together all feeling it
0: Is there any kind of documentaries that I know I've asked you about your fond memories of Doc House in in terms of selecting films, but you speak quite passionately about documentaries. Are there any particular ones that stand out in your mind that you've just seen personally as a documentary fan that you think,
1: you know, that was a good one? (laughs) Oh, that's that's almost too big a question to ask. But actually, funnily enough, I've got one in my mind right at the moment, which because we're about to rescreen it, it's a film called Nostalgia for the Light, which was made, uh, oh, Now I don't know the date, probably 2010 by Mm. a Chilean filmmaker called Patricio Guzman. And it was one of the I was already working in documentary exhibition at the time that I saw it. But it was one of the films that really cemented for me the kind of what an incredible type of filmmaking documentary can be. Um, And again, something that really demands to be seen in the big screen. It's such an incredible film about Uh, he's a he's Chilean but he's exiled from the country he goes back uh, and he's exploring the Atacama desert Um, and we're actually showing it again in October I'm really excited to show this Mm. older title that probably a lot of people haven't had a chance to see on a big screen at all so we're just doing a one-off screening actually on the second I think it is of October because his latest film is about to be re-released sorry it's about to be released uh, the Cordillera of Dreams so in the run-up to that we're taking the mm. opportunity to show the two earlier films in this trilogy um so you can tell I'm excited about it because it's such a nice yeah. opportunity to be able to mm-hmm. show a film that's just a kind of really landmark uh documentary film like
0: that yeah it's, it's so amazing as well that you're bringing the films back as well like you're choosing the right times from a programmer's perspective is interesting to hear as well, like part of the decision-making of, you know, when is, when are the audiences, when will it kind of benefit them to Mm -hmm. see the other films as well, like to get that perspective as well. And I think that kind of leads me also quite nicely to ask you, obviously, obviously have a lot of passion for documentary. I think it comes across so clear. (laughs) so lovely to hear about. Um, (laughs) I'd be curious to ask that. Were you always a kind of documentary like, if I'm, how did you end up in the position of programmer at Doghouse?
1: Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I didn't know a huge amount about documentaries or about filmmaking altogether. And I think like a lot of people I left, I had gone to university and I left university not not studying film. And I left university really unsure of what to do and ended up kind of almost by chance taking a course in documentary um, research it was about documentary making yeah. and in the process of that I realized kind of just what a huge genre I guess the word I'm going to use is uh, it is how creative it can be how different and diverse and interesting and fascinating and I thought well oh, yes I want to get involved in, in that and I want to get involved in making those um, so I started out I assume the best way to get involved was to kind of be a runner and get into production of documentaries right. But in the course of doing that, I started just volunteering at some film festivals, and mm-hmm. that was the biggest change in my life in my early 20s when I really started to get into film festivals and see just this explosion of how many films there are out there and the uh, putting them all together and curating them and really experiencing them, them as a member of the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suddenly had this realisation <laughs> that... Uh, You've got to have all of the people who are exhibiting films, who are running festivals and running cinemas, in order to connect incredible films with audiences. I think I'd always just imagined that jobs in films meant making films. And it was really only in my 20s that I realised that a job in film was, could also be about exhibition, about distribution, about being that kind of connecting bridge between the artist and the audience. Um, and once I realised that, I, I was hooked on kind of cinema, festivals, exhibition from that point.
0: Yeah. That was so lovely to hear. And also just your journey and think like realizing or seeing what how much more there is to documentary than mm-hmm. maybe or just film in general than maybe one might just think of by chance. Uh, thinking also about then about kind of Doc House more generally, your experience of being a programmer and being involved in film and documentary as well. Has there been a shift, you would say you also mentioned about the changes in viewing habits, but has there mm-hmm. been can you speak perhaps a bit more on that kind of public reception to documentaries in your experience and has that kind of shifted or evolved in any ways?
1: Yeah I think I think it's changing all the time and it's changed hmm. a huge amount in the last uh, well 20-30 years it's changed a huge amount just in the last two years but um that actually ties in really well with something that I was just thinking and <laughs> um, I wanted to say about um about the genesis of Doc House itself and why it was such a good Organization for me to come into, because um, Jock Castle started twenty years ago. We just realized that the first screenings were twenty years ago, although it wasn't a single cinema venue at that time. Started mm-hmm. by our, our founder Elizabeth Wood, with the sole intention of getting creative international documentaries onto the big screen mm-hmm. she recognized that there were these films being made out there but there was nowhere to see them in a cinema setting because so much documentary programming was kind of the tv documentary programming that a lot of people think of when they think of documentary they kind of mm-hmm. imagine some of the maybe um bbc broadcasts type films Um, so that was actually really the the remit the purpose of Doc House showing at different cinemas bringing cinemas uh, bringing documentaries to the big screen and that's the point that I joined was when we were just showing a different film at different cinemas around London and it was with the help of the Bertha Foundation that we managed to open this uh dedicated documentary cinema screen which has been going since 2015 but within this time I think that the way that we I was consumed probably isn't the right word, but the way the audience has documentaries is changing constantly. When Dock House first opened, you, you really weren't ever seeing cinema releases for documentaries. And then around 2008, maybe you started, like Man on Wire, I remember, was a big release. Mm. And then you know, as, as time's gone on, we've seen more and more of these big cinema releases. Um, but then there's also the online streaming platforms, that focus a lot on documentaries, but I think that what you're, what you're seeing there is often a certain genre of documentaries, a certain style, something that either maybe on TV, you see documentaries that work from TV or Netflix, you see mm. some fantastic documentaries, but really often they can be a certain genre, a certain style of documentaries. Um, so I think that there's still a really important space for the cinema exhibition of kind of creative films but yeah within that you you definitely see like um vogues and trends for certain mm-hmm. styles maybe one year lots of people are doing reconstruction maybe one year you start to see some more animation coming through um right. but I think the best ones always kind of rise to the surface within that
0: yeah oh definitely what would you say then is kind of in trend right now is there something that Doc has, or you as a program you have thought this is popular this is people are paying attention to this
1: uh, I think we are seeing quite a lot of the kind of... Um, I guess I'd use the word hybrid films, films that really try to uh, blur a line between fiction and documentary. That's, I mean, that's not a new thing. We see this yeah. come through time and time again. But I'm seeing quite a lot of that at the moment. Um, and that can often be incredibly effective. So uh, we should show some of that and then some of all the other styles of documentary. Yeah.
0: No, that's really interesting. I do think that... Uh, that's true of so many different mediums as well right now. Like just kind of it's reality, but it's not. But then what is reality? It's just this continuous kind of back and forth. And uh, which it's especially in my mind like right now,
1: I think feels appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's some kind of post postmodern uh vibe for kind of blurring these boundaries. But I think a lot of the most interesting work happens around those kind of the edges, the liminal blurring of lines.
0: Yeah. So what would you say then is the kind of future of Doc House and maybe even kind of documentary a bit more generally, like, because as you've mentioned, like these trends, they come and go, but the, the beating heart of documentary is always there. Like there are always going to be, it sounds like filmmakers who have a message who want to say
1: something. Well, I could basically make you the spokesperson. <laughs> because It sums up absolutely exactly that we need to just continue creating a A space for showing the work for for exhibiting the different films the different styles uh celebrating the more experienced filmmakers making space for emerging filmmakers uh lots of space for kind of um short film and student filmmakers who are coming through Mm -hmm. um and to just continue to connect with audiences to say see the world see yourselves reflected see other cultures reflected um through documentary filmmaking on the big screen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so amazing. And then to kind of come back, I guess, to Invisible Demons as well. Obviously, this is a really important documentary at your screening. It's part of Bloomsbury Festival. It definitely has its place and it interprets, I think, the theme of Breathe as well in its own way that's so urgent and important. To kind of talk maybe a bit about the relationship between Dockhouse and kind of local organizations particularly with the Bloomsbury Festival what does it mean to um for Dockhouse and maybe for you as well to partner up with organizations like Bloomsbury Festival?
1: Yeah well we we don't exist in a vacuum you know we're part of we're part of the area and we're part of the local community and we are so lucky to be in I mean is Bloomsbury the most vibrant interesting area in London? It's incredible there are so many amazing institutions and being part of Bloomsbury Festival I think it it connects us to those to those institutions um, and kind of it's a celebration of the area and everything within it so um, you know it's not the first year that we've shown a film as part of the festival we hugely support it and it's actually quite a privilege to be part of it so um yeah I love I just love the idea of people uh spending their time in Bloomsbury wandering around visiting events at all these different Mm. venues and kind of pulling it all together and for Bertha Duckhouse to be part of that
0: so is that what you would say because you've just touched on it the fact that Dockhouse this isn't your first time working this isn't Dockhouse's first time working at Bloomsbury Festival would you say that's kind of what brings you brings like Dockhouse coming back and you coming back
1: to work? Yeah, I, would, I, I, would, I just I wouldn't miss it it connects us to the area um, in a way that feels really really important. Mm-hmm.
0: Well I mean that's Absolutely brilliant to hear uh, so far about the journey of Doc House, about your journey as a programmer and in documentary, hearing about Invisible Demons as well. I think it's really exciting. And I think our listeners, you've definitely made the case, I think, not just for Invisible Demons to come see um, Invisible Demons, not just for Doc House, but I think for documentary in general as well. Um, as Hooray. I'm-,
1: <laughs> I'm clearly on such a soapbox about it but it's been so nice to talk to you about it and just to get a chance to really think about what it is that we're doing so often you have your head buried in your inbox and you forget about the 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 main the aim of things the the main goal what you're really trying to do is so it's actually lovely to talk to you about um, yeah. films and exhibition and Greensbury. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much as well for like agreeing to do this, agreeing to talk about like your experiences as well. I think as I understand, Visible Demons are showing from Saturday, 22nd October.
1: Exactly um, right, 4 p.m.
0: Okay, great. And then to see kind of the showings for that, to book tickets, you can go through uh, Bloomsbury Festival. You can go directly, of course, to Dock House
1: as well. Yeah, our website is dockhouse.org.
0: Yes, great. Well, you heard it there <laughs> side <Signed> up <and laughs> the film you heard it heard about all about the case, so Jenny, again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um, I've really enjoyed kind of interviewing you and hearing about documentary in general as well and I think Bloomsbury Radio listeners definitely go down go see the film. Thank you so much, thank you.